you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Half Step Pod. I am your co-host, Connor Lane, and across from me, via StreamYards, right, not Zoom, is my co-host, Grant Fisher. Grant, how you doing, man? Doing great. Um, good to be back on the uh, the old weekly podcast recording. Um, it's been a, a good week up here, so excited to, to talk about some, some, some things we've been up to, what's coming next, and... Um, yeah, maybe some some overall running topics. So I think we have a good episode today. Nice. Yeah. Hey, I'm stoked about it too. It's technically still a weekly podcast. We're recording on a Saturday. Uh, I don't I don't get a lot of new podcasts in my feed over the weekend because people who do this for a living like take breaks, but we don't do this for a living. So on our breaks, we have to do this, which is is cool. We, we tried to get it on Thursday. We tried to get it on Friday, but we're getting it in now. You know, um, we have a, we're dedicated to getting this out once a week and this will be posted before I go to sleep tonight. So technically on Saturday, I don't know. We're, we're getting it in there though. We're sticking to the weekly promise. It's what we, it's what we made last week. Yeah. Yeah. We, we almost slipped out and didn't make the weekly promise, but yeah. Um, getting it done there. <laughs> getting it done. I, that, that was mostly my fault. I had like three papers that all kind of converged at once this is the end of week eight for our quarter uh, of 10 weeks so it, it's all hitting at the same time but got through it and uh now we're chilling i'm currently not in my dorm room which people might have noticed grant is in the same place he was last week i've snuck into the basement of uh, a dorm at lake log and i'm recording in their music room so hopefully no one walks in the middle of this to kick me out if they do they could i guess cameo the pod uh we'll, we'll just we'll kind of take it from there should be fine um did you live here in Norcliffe ever you lived in Meyer, right I lived in Meyer, which is a identical dorm just right next to it identical dorm one of the new dorms definitely definitely some yeah. nice living for you that year <laughs> yeah um, luxury man shout out yeah just just luxury in log court um just some just some Stanford jokes to start the podcast off for for <laughs> a very small subset of our listeners um without further ado I feel like I don't know. I feel like there's two big stories. Uh, just knocking around uh, Bowerman training camp, uh, training camp in Flagstaff this week. Uh, you are one of them, and then more broadly, there's something going on in Sedona that I think that we're going to have to talk about. But uh, I think I'd, I'd like to start off with with you personally taking taking I believe the entire internet by storm this week, if I'm not mistaken, based strictly on reposts and uh, and video content. Uh, taking the internet by storm with your new activate. I don't know if it's new, actually, we're going to talk about that, but your activation band work exercises, uh, just for people who are just living under a rock, obviously Grant's new band or Grant's band work is band around the knees, band around the ankles, doing some monster walks side to side, but then also band around each arm from what the hands to the back of the elbow and kind of getting some arm pumping action in there as well, simultaneously. Uh, at least four bands on you, perhaps more in certain situations. Um, just, just super curious. At first, uh, I know you walked through why you do it on the Bowerman Instagram, but maybe a brief explainer for for why you're looking so weird. And then, 
Secondly, how long how long has this been a thing? What's um, and what's kind of what's the deal behind it? Yeah, go off, go off. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I did not expect that many people to care about my very strange band work, um, but here we are. Um, yeah. So I've been doing that exercise specifically for probably a year and a half now. Um, I do it every day, sometimes twice a day. <laughs> um, it's an activation drill, so I incorporate that to um, pre-run and also pre-lift. Um, so if there's days where I'm running twice a day, I'll have done it twice a day. If there's a day where I run, lift, and then run again in the afternoon, I'll have done it three times that day. So uh, I'm covered in bands pretty frequently. Um, the main goal of that activation drill is, well, there, there's two main goals. One is to activate my glutes. So when you have the band around your knees and then the band around your feet, when you step laterally, your glute is working um, both directions. And then the second piece are your arms. So you have a, I guess not everyone's watching on YouTube, but you have a, oh, this is But weird. watch on YouTube. There we go. Yeah, okay, so so if you got a band around your thumb and then you wrap it to, to your elbow. Um, and so, it doesn't look like it does much. And when it was first explained to me, I was like, this is kind of dumb. Um, but when you put them in that position and then kind of overemphasize your arm drive as you're doing the lateral walks, it really gets your arms engaged and the bands kind of force you to have a little bit of pop and like really drive your elbows back, um, really have good cadence and uh, arm drive, which for me is something that I often struggle with. My Especially my left side, my left arm, often will get really, really lazy and kind of like hike up really high and not really swing that much and um, kind of doesn't look very engaged. If I, I've watched some of my old videos of me racing in college and you can see a pretty marked difference in my left arm and my right. So that was trying to, trying to even myself out before run start and get that kind of muscle pattern set. Um, the glute activation, that, that's, that is mainly because on my right side, my knee, when I contact the ground, often will dive inwards, like towards midline, uh, which isn't good mechanically um, as far as like wanting to be pretty linear and um, have strong levers when you run and not have wasted, uh, wasted energy. But it's also uh, a risk of injury when your knee kind of moves in like that because it shifts your hip out and then kind of messes with your ankle too. So um those are the, the main ideas on why I do it. I know it looks pretty stupid, um, especially the armbands. I don't think I've ever seen anyone else do the armband thing. And the, uh, the guys on my team have made fun of me for literally the past year and a half for this exercise, but uh, I like it and it's kind of what I, what I need before runs. So it has, uh, it has stayed. And now the, the greater running community knows my, my secret. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, God, there's a lot, there's a lot of directions we can go with this because doing it for a year and a half, I, I, it's super impressive to me because I'd imagine that you'd have gotten clowned immediately day one <laughs> um, and, and every, every subsequent day since. But uh, maybe, maybe the talk stops uh, quite as much when, when you start, hey, man, maybe this is his glute activation and his arm activation, but something's contributing to him running, running really well. I don't know. You know, so now, now we're getting followers from it, right? You're getting, you're getting the whole community of people doing these band walks. Um, really quick, before I get back to that though, I imagine, so when you talk about like, 
you know, maybe like my right glute doesn't fire as much or like it, it, my knee dives if I'm not like activating enough or my arms coming across, like all that makes a lot of intuitive sense to me. Um, you know, we work with PTs here that kind of help us with our form analysis and, and give us specific exercises that are also pretty weird a lot of the time for activation or for strengthening. But I imagine if I was a high school kid um, or maybe someone who just didn't have access to the same people kind of advising them, I'd be really confused or thrown off by like a lot of what you just said, not maybe even in the specifics, but just with how aware you are of your body's natural tendencies. Um, I wonder if, if, and this is kind of off the cuff, like, do you have any advice to people to like maybe figure out how to be more aware of their own bodies and their own tendencies and, and maybe resources that that they can use. I mean, I know for me, like sometimes I'll be scrolling on Instagram and I'll see like a pro runner who's so, you know, I have like minor hip impingement as well, where like everything kind of rotates inward for me from my hips down. So my knees are rotated in a little bit and then my feet kind of kick out. Um, like sometimes I'll be on Instagram and I'll see like Emily Infield's like hip work videos and, and I'll, I'll just kind of take some of those exercises and use them for myself. Do you you know, obviously, when you can work with an actual PT and get one specific to you, it's probably the best case scenario. But I guess, like, talk to me about knowing your body so in tune that this is a specific thing that you have to do. And also maybe advice for people who are just starting out in that space or don't know their body as well yet because they're not quite, like, you know, on the pro running level or something like that. Sure. Yeah, man, it it takes a lot of time. Um, I'd say one thing that anyone could do to really get a, a decent form analysis would just be to film themselves running, whether that's on the ground or a treadmill, it might be easier on a treadmill and just kind of see how you strike the ground, you know, see it from a lateral view, like any imbalances and stuff. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, super like technological. Um, the main, the thing that gave me a lot of insights, uh, with my form and stride was looking at old videos. And then I did a very comprehensive, um, form analysis with, pressure plates and you know you put put all these little dots on you and there's you know all these cameras and then they chart out all your motion and stuff um, but it doesn't have to be that way um, you can get a lot of just insight on how you move um, with a couple videos and working with a local PT um, uh, specifically one that understands running um, is always helpful um, one thing you mentioned that I kind of overlooked in my big explanation of activation was if when I was in high school, like I didn't do any activation <laughs> drills, really. I feel like when you're young, I, not that I'm like old now, but I feel like when I was in high school, like, like your mom drops you off at soccer practice, you jump out the door and you start running and you start playing. Yeah. And same thing with track, you know, you, you get dropped off or you get out of school. You've been sitting for eight hours and you, you jump out and you're ready to go. Like you just start warming up. Mm-hmm. Um, as you get a little bit older, and again, I'm not pretending like I'm, you know, 40 or anything, but like, I'm sure this will only become more of a thing with, with the older I get, but you just can't hop out the door and start doing dynamic exercises or dynamic uh, movements like running and expect not to pull something. Um, yeah. So that's where these activation drills come in handy to just general warming the muscle up, muscles up slowly um, it becomes more important, um, especially as professionals now, you know, anything you can do to reduce injury risk is super important. Um, 
and uh, we'll, we'll take it any place we can get it. So, um, yeah. And, and like you said, man, I've, I've been getting roasted for this exercise for years, like over well over a year by my teammates. Um, everyone has like their own unique exercise on my team that I feel like is, is like their thing. Mine are these, these lateral band walks. Um, Mo does a lot of things with like, he, has, he does a lot of like breathing and neck activa- activation that look pretty funny. So we make fun of him for that. Woody does some weird ones. Um, Centro does some funny ones too. It's, uh, you know, so you, you got to laugh at yourself when you're doing these because you, you don't look cool at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I would second what you're saying about needing to activate before runs, especially like with my injury history or just, you know, like a lot of teammates even it's, you got to go through sometimes a big routine to run. And then ideally as you, you know, for someone in my position, right. Who like has dealt with a lot of different injuries, ideally, as you stay healthy for longer stretches of time, you need to do the amount of activation. Like it decreases and decreases until you're, you know, again, never hopping out the car, but pretty much just doing the standard stuff. But definitely like there's kind of a prerequisite, I think in college or, ladder college or, or, you know, on the pro scene of like, you've got to, you've got to go through the work to activate. It's just not worth any stupid risks. And also it does make you feel considerably better. Um, for me, I've had kind of this Achilles tendonitis, like near my soleus. So not down low on the insertion point, which is lucky, but like still kind of omnipresent, like right near my soleus for a long time. And I have to do like isometric calf holds every time uh, before I do a run. And that helps like negate all that, like early on like pain that you might feel when you're running through like something crunchy like tendonitis and then once i get into the run it's totally fine um and then there's also pt that you do on the side like heel drops or like weighted like isometric or eccentric calf holds um you know it's it's interesting hearing you talk about how every guy and you know every teammate has some sort of exercise because i do feel like it's very much the exercises find you just by like what your weaknesses are um you know, I'm sure everyone has like relatively generic like warm up stuff, uh, more or less. You know, you're gonna do like stretching or, or some sort of like we do uh, on the team. We have like rope stretching. We then we have some dynamic stuff uh, like hip activations and and calves and, and quads. But there's also always like this stuff on the side, and I feel like you, it kind of has to find you based on your weaknesses. You know, more than like you see someone do an exercise like Mo's neck and breathing stuff might not make much of a difference for you, but for the way his body is and shaped and all these years running, like that might be exactly what he needs. And it's really about finding what works for you more than like anyone can tell you, or at least any other runner can tell you what it is. Certainly with the advice of PT that might make that process easier, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting thing. Uh, just seeing like what people need to get ready to run. I have friends who don't need anything still. Um, and I'm jealous of them for sure. But it's just because someone else doesn't need anything doesn't mean that you can just mess around and like just just say you know what I'm not F it I'm not going to do it today and, and and then see the results of that because it's it's usually not good that's one thing with I think my injury stuff it's like very easy to kind of be like oh I'm jealous of that I just want to go run normally today it's like at a certain point look as much as you want to do that you've got to take your steps and and do your process to get there. Um, which can be frustrating, but you know, even if it has me looking stupid doing band walks or something, I feel like I'd much rather be running than not running. And at a certain point, you just got to evaluate it based on yourself uh, and not looking around other people. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. Some of the stuff is very individual. Everyone's body moves differently. 
everyone has a different, um, like what each person's most efficient stride is different than someone next to you. Um, like your body kind of finds a very efficient stride and you can, uh, especially the more mileage and training you do and you can tweak it a bit, but you know, you can't completely change how your body is built mechanically, uh, the proportions of your lower leg or, um, you know, the way that certain muscles are, are shaped or tendons are, Extra there, there's only so the, much you can do. Calf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't control that stuff. So, um, it's just some people yeah. have it. <laughs> yeah. Very individual. Um, all these things, form is an individual thing. Um, some people have beautiful strides and can run really fast. And some people have strange strides and you question, how do you run that fast looking like that? But, um, mm-hmm. I, I think oftentimes people find for their body, the, the most efficient stride after a while. Well, yeah, there's a lot of like Tammy RPT at Stanford always talks about like, you kind of fall into like that form. And, and once you fall into it, I feel like it's like, that is the most like ergonomic or most natural form for you off the bat. And sometimes that can create pattern or difficult patterns later on to break out of, or, you know, you wearing away at stuff because you're uneven, but your body is like naturally kind of trending towards that line of just whatever the makes the most sense for it. Right. Like, cause when you're doing running for, you know, seven, eight, 10, 15 miles a day, whatever it is, when you're doing workouts fast, like you're, you're not able to consciously like manipulate your body. That's where exercises are so important. That's where activation is so important. And that's where just like routine and patterns trying to create that is really important. Um, and it's interesting, like I was watching a lot of that long track speed skating during the Olympics, which I, I know you've seen, I don't know if you watched it particularly in 2022 and like all of their forms are like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. If there's any long track speed skating, people in the in the comments who, who would like to argue with this that's totally fine i don't know a ton but they all look so similar with their like specific strides and the way that they generate power by stepping into the ice and like giving it the correct motion i feel like with running it really is i mean there's a lot of similar forms on the world stage but there is also just a lot of weird stuff going on and people are still hanging with that group and you know sometimes people sprinting form is just wild and like you know like unreal like i feel like woody kind of lets it go and then like he he wins a lot of those races when he does that so it's it's just it's a really interesting thing like other sports i feel like you can't get away with having such different form there is a sort of you know one correct form and i feel like with running maybe there's like an ideal form but there's there's things that work for different people it's it is really interesting yeah yeah man the uniqueness of form is a cool topic um yeah, I mean, I feel like big time track fans would be able to see a silhouette of a guy running and maybe be able to pinpoint who it was um, just by, you know, the the stride pattern and, you know, how the arms are and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's I think it's great to, to work on form. And obviously, I, I am conscious of my form and work on it. Um, but, you know, there there are certain things that are unique to your body that, um, you know, maybe you're not going to look like Bernard Lagat, like even if you you know, have everything perfect. Maybe you won't look as chill as Kipchoge does when he's running, you know, sub two hour marathon pace. You probably but, won't. Um, yeah, you probably but won't. you can, you can optimize what you have to work with. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the motto for not just form. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Getting, getting back to the specifics of your band work. I saw day one, although obviously this has been more than a year, but day one that this was public, a lot of your, or maybe day two, a lot of your teammates trying 
your, your exercises with varying amounts of bands. I think some didn't have the arms, <laughs> some were going all in with it. Who had the best and who had the worst attempted version of your, uh, of your exercise? And you can define best and worst however you want. Probably the, the most similar, but I mean, yeah. I feel like there were a uh, lot of attempts at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say um, Mo, Mo is pretty good at it. He does similar lateral band walks oftentimes as activation drills. Um, so he's pretty used to that stuff. Um, I, I don't know of the things I've saw seen over the past week, I'd say maybe I'll put Lopez as worst, uh, but I think he was just making fun of me. I think he was trying to emphasize how dumb I looked, uh, when he was kind of almost like mocking how, how the exercise works. Um, but yeah, um, it's been cool to see how many people were doing it. Um, yeah, I was surprised people cared that much about activation stuff that I was doing, but uh, I guess that's cool. Um, yeah, I'd say a lot a good of chunk- a lot of people like were, you know, were posting at you, um, like just like fans. I, I I was that was cool to me to see. I mean, it was, it was weird a little bit, but it was like awesome. I mean, and not weird of them to do it because obviously you're kind of, you know, you're you're coming up in this community as like a as a real figure. But <laughs> it is kind of surreal. I feel like to see, and of course, this is the thing that you have them doing, not like something cool like a like a race <laughs> celebration we got them we got them doing band activation but yeah i i mean i would second that any yeah it's it's definitely really cool that people are people are people are doing this i don't know man yeah i mean a good chunk of the people are trolling me i think but that's all right <laughs> i don't know um I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but then there, there are a bunch of people like there was a video of a bunch of um like little kids doing it that was hilarious um like they all kind of had their arms like winging about it almost looked like they were dancing um they were so bad (laughs) (laughs) no i mean they were like they were like 10 years old it was awesome um yeah yeah so yeah it's it's been cool to see like people from all over the world were doing these band walks and yeah some of the some of the troll videos were funny like some guys uh had like 10 bands on them like a band around their head and like a band around their waist and stuff um i guess yeah just try to see how many bands bands you can put on around me yeah yeah i figured that would have been Maybe I'll try that next to see how many bands I can reasonably incorporate into an exercise. There should probably be a band in between the arms at, at the very least, like from yeah. hand to hand. I don't know, some sort of like core locking that we got to do. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely there's been an increased media presence at this camp, I feel like, from y'all, from a lot of y'all. My mom was talking about that because she follows all the Stanford Bowerman people and on Instagram. And she's like, everyone's posting so much. This is, uh, I feel like it's a little bit of a departure from the group. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if there's anything there to that. But, like, it's, it's a, your eyes are definitely letting people in more, I feel like, than normal. Um, I'm, I'm learning a lot of stuff. I'm learning there was a sprinkler that went off on one of your guys' workouts, and you had to, you had to run through it. I'm, I'm, we get to see a lot of, like, the actual runs that y'all are doing, talks with them. I don't, I don't know what that's been like. Has it felt any different? Um, it's certainly been a bit different. I think me personally and the – general attitude of the group is to kind of just keep your head down and train um but you know i I think we're starting to realize like being open and you know having the running community see what we're doing um on a daily basis is important um connecting with people because as we've discussed in previous podcasts you know we you only see the pros really when they race which is very infrequently Um, so as a fan or just someone that likes the sport or trying to learn stuff, um, it's valuable and interesting to see what people are doing on a daily basis. I think, 
I think the Tin Man group has done a great job of that since their inception of, you know, showing the day to day, showing the daily life and, you know, letting people in, being transparent and open. And um, I think we're trying to take that, those ideas and apply it to ourselves too. And um, we, we've had the advantage of having, Courtney White was up here, uh, the photographer that takes pretty much any photo that you'll ever see me post. Um, she's incredibly, you know, she's incredible at what she does. Um, so when she's up, we get a lot of content, so we have stuff to post, but the, the Bowerman brand team itself was making an effort to try to get more video content than they usually do. Um, and I feel like it, it was met with great reception. Um, you know, the places we run are beautiful and it's cool that other people get to see that. And, you know, the workouts that we run, um, are grueling and it's cool for people to see that too. Um, it's, uh, I think it's nice to have a, a visual window into, uh, you know, what professional runners are doing, um, because you rarely get to see that stuff. Yeah, no, I think it, it overall is definitely a good thing for the sport and, and for everyone who's fans of it. Um, although they are stealing all my angles, like, you know, you already <laughs> were talking about your band walk on the Instagram. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't, like, what are, <laughs> we have a weekly podcast, Grant. We got to no, obviously a much deeper dive into band walks on the pod as, as one would expect. Absolutely, so yeah. Very happy with that. Also, we do such a bad job of starting beef, which is, I guess, a good thing because that's like we don't want to start any beef. But just shout out Tin Man. Shout out everyone in the running community for, for being open about their stuff. We, I mean, it's just um, that's not really our – I think that's not really our move as a podcast. There's also just nothing to really knock a lot of teams for. I feel like everyone's doing the best they can. Um we should transition, though, speaking to other groups in and around the Arizona area, um, to the other big story of the week, I feel like, which I didn't really understand. Um, at first, I heard this from a friend. Um, I heard this from a couple teammates. I didn't realize how big it got until you told me before we started recording. There's a New York Times article about it now. Um, there's... <laughs> The track you guys go down to in Sedona, and first of all, we can explain this, like, you live at, what is it, 7,000, where right. Flagstaff yeah. is, and then you often go down to Sedona, which is, is it more 4,000, or am I wrong? About yeah, it's that? a touch over 4,000 feet. Okay, so you travel down there to do workouts at a lower altitude because you can do higher quality workouts, and then you immediately go back up to living at 7K, and you keep that kind of boost. Um, so that's a pretty common thing. Uh, I feel like that's the simplest explanation for, for why you would do it um, to get better quality workouts. It seems like there's been an issue because all of the pro people living in flag were pretty much doing this pattern, right? Of going from flag down to Sedona to do the workouts. It's, it's like the track to be at, uh, but no longer. It seems like way less people, way, way less people are on this track than there were a couple weeks ago. And according to official sources, they're, won't really speak about this it's, it's something to do with like hours and and paying the fee to use the track uh not during school hours but there's credibility to rumors that there may have been an incident on the track which contributed to making sure that very few professionals can can use the track i don't you guys still have access to it right because you guys were were paying for time or whatever it was but something went down do you want me to talk about it or, or do you want to talk about it uh i i can go through it uh you gave a, a good background okay. a good intro into it um so long story short there are allegations that someone pooped at the sedona track um which part of me like laughs, in the bathroom surely no no not like just somewhere uh and 
Yeah. Part of me laughs because it's like kind of a, a funny story, but then part of it's pretty serious because the school is pretty upset apparently and has yeah banned a lot of pro groups from using the track, which it's a beautiful track. Uh, if you've ever been to Sedona, you know, you can see the red rocks in the background. You can see the different uh, like rock patterns. It's a beautiful spot. Great place to train. Um, I, I've, I've been loving working out there. Um, so this is a bit of a testament to how small the running community is. Um, first time I heard this story was that someone had pooped outside of the bathrooms at Sedona's track. Um, there, there are bathrooms there, um, but for some reason someone pooped like literally right outside the door was what I heard. Um, and then the next time I heard the story, they said someone had actually pooped under the bleachers uh, and some administrator saw them. The next time I heard the story, mm. someone said that someone pooped on the infield of the track. And then the latest iteration of the story I've heard is that someone pooped on the actual track surface in, you knew it on, had in the lanes. Uh, Probably lane one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the story has gotten more and more ridiculous. It kind of feels like a game of telephone um, as the story kind of devolves. Um, so yeah, the, the laughing part is that everyone's upset and pointing fingers about poop. Uh, the not laughing part is that uh, the school is very upset uh, because apparently they've had incidents in the past of, you know, different things with letting runners on the track. And, you know, uh, apparently people had gone into the school at one point to try to find a bathroom. Um, sometimes people don't reserve the track. Uh, this was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back, apparently. Um, and... Uh, yeah, personally, our team, for some reason, was getting blamed for a while. I think uh, now people are starting to realize that it wasn't us that pooped somewhere in the vicinity of the Sedona track, wherever that, where, wherever the true location of the poop is uh, or was. Um, unfortunately, we were getting blamed. I'm not really sure why. Um, but people are starting to realize it wasn't us, which is nice, because uh, that was kind of annoying getting, getting blamed for the poop. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we still have access to the track, which is great uh, because back in December, we contacted the school, our, our Bowerman staff contacted the school and said, hey, here are the dates we'd like to use the track. Um, we'd like to reserve them. Uh, are there, you know, is that available? And they said, yes, uh, here's the fee. And so we paid in advance back in December for these days uh, to use the track. And um because of that, we're still able to use it while, um, you know, many, many other groups aren't allowed on, unfortunately. Um, the advantage to uh, reserving the track is that when you reserve it and tell them when you're coming, they open the bathrooms. Um, mm. when, when you don't reserve it and just show up, uh, sometimes the bathrooms are locked, which is what I would imagine happened to, you know, the, the, the perpetrator the the poopetrator as people might be calling them. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah, so uh, it's an unfortunate situation. I mean, I yeah, because you know a lot of pros do depend on this track, um, and it's kind of weird that professionals, uh, such a large amount of professionals from all over the world, depend on this public high school track uh, to get their training in. And if it shuts down or or you're banned from the track, then it really throws a wrench in things. Um, kind of an interesting situation. 
uh, for sure. And um, yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, the school should have final say, like it's their property and they're being gracious enough to open it up to professionals to come down. Um, and I, I think that my team has been very respectful and reserving and paying and um, we only go to the track. Well, one aspect of reserving and paying is that they tell you, hey, you're only allowed on the track after 4 p.m. because you're not allowed on during school hours. So we'd never work out there before 4 p.m. Um, mm. And I, I think like there's been a, a history of people going down during school hours and, and that has caused problems because uh, you know, gym class might be out there or whatever, or the bathrooms might not be unlocked. Uh, so incredible how this story has swept the running world. Again, a testament to how small the community is. Um, I was shocked when I heard there was a New York Times article coming out uh, that the Times was reporting on poop in Sedona when, you know, there's like, a, there's a war going on in Ukraine. Like there's some big stuff going on right now and they're reporting on the poop. But um yeah, it's been a big story. <laughs> hey, I've got to admit, Kevin Draper is well-sourced in this article. I feel like sometimes I read running articles on mainstream outlets that are like, oh, and like, that just don't know runners or runners groups or, or are confused about what long-distance running is. He's not. He's, he's, he's plugged in. So maybe, yes, there's other beats that might be more worthy of attention, but at the same time, you cannot knock the, uh, the storytelling nature. Um, of his article and how, how it comes across for sure. So I also initially, you know, when me and you talked about this, I was like, maybe this is some subterfuge on the part of Bowerman knowing they pay for the track. It's like, we're going to, we're going to create the straw that breaks the breaks <laughs> the camel's back here and, and get all the people who aren't paying kicked off. But you've assured me that's not the case that Jerry did not tell any of you to go poop outside the bathrooms. Um, and I'll, we'll have to take your word for it without, without better sourcing. Uh, it seems like everyone within the high school is just is, is not even commenting on whether or not there was poop. But clearly at this point, when there's this much smoke, uh, there's some sort of fire fire going on. So, so yeah, I guess we'll see what it is to make of that. I, um, yeah, I mean, you guys are definitely probably, what, the most well-resourced group out there cumulatively. I mean, maybe not. I don't want to. But, yeah, I can definitely see it being harder for, for individuals who are traveling with maybe less established groups or, you know, like living in different situations and, you know, probably aren't trying to reserve a track twice a week but would love to show up on on piggybacking on some of the bigger groups. I know there's a lot of people who come out there to train. Um, yeah, it's, it is realistically a tough situation. I don't understand. I've never been the flag. I don't understand how there isn't, like, another track that would serve a suitable purpose. There's only, like, one at this level that's close enough to flag but i guess apparently that is the situation i don't know if you have done much studying of the geography <laughs> but why why can they not go anywhere else i understand the you know living high and training low but there's nothing yeah um yeah running is a weird sport where most professional groups work out on public tracks um besides when we are at nike and we use the nike track which is technically a private track um most groups are training on public tracks. Uh, so you are a guest of, of a school or if it's like a city track, you're kind of a guest in the situation. So you do want to be respectful. Um, in our case, the, the thing about Flagstaff is that you're at 7,000 feet. So like you said at the beginning of this discussion, you can't really get the same quality of workout done at 7,000 feet as you can at 
4,300 feet or, or lower. So um, Sedona track is an awesome spot because you can drop down really quickly to a lower elevation. It's a short drive um, and it's a beautiful track. Um, there is another track, another 15 minutes down the road from Sedona in a town called Cottonwood um, that we used a bit last year. It's slightly lower in elevation, but a slightly longer drive. Um, I believe that could be an option, but I, I think um, there's something about them having school sports and stuff and them not wanting pros on the track, which is 100% their decision. So I don't think that's an option. Uh, there's a track in a town called Camp Verde, which is about an hour from uh, Flagstaff. Uh, and there is a dirt track there. Uh, but I, I've heard that there are there's an initiative uh, among the Flagstaff running community, which I'm sure is even more motivated now uh, to build a actual rubber track in Camp Verde, which is just over 3000 feet. Um, so yeah, there, there really aren't a ton of options, surprisingly. And, um, you know, we're kind of at the whim, uh, especially the people that live in Flagstaff locally and train here full time and aren't just here for camps. You know, you kind of, at the whim of what Sedona High School decides um, as far as letting professionals on the track. Uh, so, yeah, apparently there's like a board meeting in the next few weeks and some representatives from the running community are going to go and lobby to try to amend um, any relationship that's been uh, torn a little bit. So hopefully that all goes well. Um, yeah, I, the, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's a pretty... <laughs> Again, like I laugh at the situation, but it's also serious. Um, yeah, I, I was annoyed that we were getting blamed for a while, and I don't want to point fingers at who I was told that it was because that's also a rumor. Oh, um, oh, it, oh yeah. Like I'm not going to complain that we were getting blamed. Yeah, I'm not going to complain that we were getting blamed because of rumors else. and then be like, oh, well, I heard it was some like this group. Like I'm not going to do that. So um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully it all gets sorted. Maybe we won't do that, but maybe you can reach out covertly and see if this group or person would, would like to be a guest on the podcast. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would ever own up to this one. Be, just because I it's become such like, a big story. Right. I mean, like, I've pooped in the woods on a run before, right? Like, sometimes when you need to... I mean, I feel like a lot of a lot of people have done this. Obviously not on a track, but, like, it's... I'm sure that the person was, was not like thrilled about their their predicament either it's not a defensive i guess doing it especially when you're not reserving a public track or, or you know a high school track to be doing yeah. this but like it's i'm sure it was you know i think that when we think about it sometimes it's easy to be like oh that that guy was just like a big middle finger to to sedona high school i mean i guess it ends up being that in practicality but to have a little bit of sympathy for for whoever is the perpetrator here that's a tough situation all around because <laughs> you obviously did not have a good workout or or something right i mean like there's there's some sort of correlation there and and now now all this and you probably feel pretty pretty bad or at least concerned about this potentially coming out um i not been in flagstaff um so me saying that i just want everyone to know it it wasn't me i, I wasn't even there but uh but i will i will lend a bit of a defense or at least a just just a thought out there for whoever it was that uh that did this heinous crime um, yeah uh, that's tough it's i tough. guess now that you say it explicitly i have to say it too it wasn't me um and it wasn't anyone <laughs> on my team Thank you. um okay yeah kind of I, I mean whoever it is is probably sweating right now though 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the whole whole running community is talking oh, about like the, the the Sedona pooper and like if it were you, Test I feel like I'd be DNA. sweating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Um, yeah, I, I heard some rumors about it too, but obviously we'll only source we'll only talk about those when they're better sourced and and more public. But we will, of course, be getting to the bottom. <laughs> As, as the investigative journalism podcast that we are, we'll begin to the bottom of this. We're going to hit up New York Times. We're going to figure it out. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, you know, just broad strokes, the workouts this week, you're, you're racing a week from today, right? Saturday, I assume. Or maybe it's a Friday night. Yeah, it's Saturday. Um, Saturday. So a week from today uh, in a 10K, this, one of the sound running meets, uh, kind of a replica of last year, last March when you did this. Um you're right now you're two weeks off of the american record and 5k performance um what have the last kind of two weeks of workouts been like with the idea that this this race is going to be at the end of week three i guess um like are you going to the well on any of them is there like one was like this tuesday's workout kind of harder because that was i guess three workouts out you know like about like 10 12 days are you still kind of in the grind phase all the way through and will like Tuesday be a, you know, difficult workout as well? Like w- what is the trend like as you approach this 10 K and then we can talk more specifically about goals for it and kind of the idea behind it. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think we talked about in our last one, kind of our, um, our workout pattern that we've been doing. Um, we've been working out on a 10 day cycle, um, meaning that you don't have a, two workouts in a long run in a seven day window like you usually would. We're on a 10 day cycle where we have three workouts in a long run over the course of 10 days. So uh, because of that, the workouts fall on kind of weird days. So um, we, for example, we had a workout yesterday on Friday and we'll work out again uh, in Sedona tomorrow on Sunday. Um, And then I'm not sure exactly the pattern next week because that will be race week. but I would imagine we'll have like a pre-meet workout either Tuesday or Wednesday, um, fly out to California on Thursday and race on Saturday. Um, I guess looking back, the, for, the, for the first week after the, uh, the 5K, I was super tired. Uh, I was so beat, just, uh, just totally fried. Um, I remember when I was growing up, my dad um, used to tell me that for every hard mile of running, it takes a day to recover. So roughly for a 5K, it'll take you three days to recover because that's three miles. Um, for a 10K, give it six days. Um, just an old school rule of thumb. This one took me like like six, seven days to feel normal again. Your, um, your dad had not run the American record in 5K <laughs> when, he said, uh, <laughs> when, true, when true. he said that. Well, yeah, I, he couldn't have either because he's Canadian. <laughs> But, um, this is true. This yeah, is true. Apologies. But um, yeah, so I was pretty beat for the first week. Uh, we did like some 200s to try to clean the legs up after the race, um, maybe three days after the race. And that felt pretty bad, um, like really, really bad. And then um, finally started feeling normal again, like six days after the race. And on s- day seven after the race, we went down to, or maybe it was day eight, seven or eight after the race, we went down to Phoenix, um, drove to Phoenix and had a really nice 10 K session, um, at Grand Canyon university. Um, we've been driving down to Phoenix for a lot of our 
workouts that we do at race pace, uh, just cause then you're at sea level. Um, it's a bit of a drive, but it's really nice not being at altitude. Um, so we had a really nice session at 10 K pace, long reps, um, just a, a grinding, grinding workout. Um, but was really happy with it. And, um, yeah, since then we've had some quality ones, you know, nothing, nothing like hitting it out of the park or anything, but, um, trying to maintain fitness and, you know, feel good and start to feel 10 K pace now, um, uh, because leading up to the 5 K was all about feeling 5 K pace. Um, so yeah, it's been good. Um, yesterday I had a great session down in Sedona. Um, it was more of like a speed turnover, uh, type day, which might surprise some people considering I was eight days out from the 10 K, uh, eight days before we'll race this 10 K. Um, but it's always nice to touch on that speed and, I feel like speed work kind of cleans up your form a little bit. It gets you pretty efficient, you know, gives yourself some pop. Um, again, people may argue that the 10 K is mostly aerobic and, you know, what are you doing trying to run, you know, a quick 400 or something, but I do feel like it pumps some air into the tires metaphorically. And, uh, you know, you start to feel, feel good, feel some pop. And, um, so that was great. And then we have another workout tomorrow. Tons of people are saying, Barman oh, doesn't know what they're doing. What, what is this <laughs> yeah, speed, yeah. speed endurance workout eight days out? No, but, but part of it is, I mean, you're also working out again tomorrow. So it's not, I, you know, I guess like with only like the day recovery, really, I guess that like one of them being kind of a faster version of things isn't the wildest thing out there. It'd be, I mean, to me, and I'm not enlightened, but going Friday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday would be like a wild workout pattern. So I would guess that third one would be on Wednesday, but. I mean, I guess I don't really know. I mean, it probably just depends on what tomorrow is. Um, yeah. If I had to guess, it'll yeah. be Wednesday and tomorrow will be uh, kind of watered down because then we'll be six days out from the 10K. Um, so did you yeah. long run at all in this? Did you long run today? Or is we, there like a... we long ran this past Wednesday. Um, okay. So again, we're on that obscure schedule. So sometimes you long run on Wednesday. Um, we actually drove... So you're kind of missing a long run in here unless you do it on like monday or right because like yep. you wouldn't do one like wednesday thursday or friday no we we won't long run between okay. now and the 10 so looking back from the 10k i guess it was like almost 10 days out that we'll, we would have done our last long run um mm -hmm. we, it was actually a bit of a, a disaster of a day we drove down to camp verde um to do it on this loop that a lot of people like um people call it the barking dog loop because there's dogs all through the loop that bark at you uh yeah very creative um, and, uh, I thought there might have just been like an experience at one dog, one time, but <laughs> no, it's, it's always, there's tons of dogs. Uh, they're all, uh, behind fences. So that's, that's nice. You don't have to run away, but, um, yeah, we went down and it was, there was a massive snowstorm in Flagstaff, uh, the night before, I think we got about 15 or 16 inches, uh, in a 24 hour span. Um, and so we got down to Camp Verde uh, it's raining and 32 degrees, uh, felt like Portland. Mm. And then, um, we go to get on the highway and we find out that every road to Flagstaff is closed, uh, because of the snow highway is shut down the smaller, like, um, like route 89 that, that takes you from Sedona to, um, to Flagstaff closed. Every workaround is closed. So and we were stuck and cold. This is post-run. Yeah. I mean, we, we did pack like dry clothes and stuff, which was nice. So okay. we're like, all right, I guess we're killing the day in um, Camp Verde. So we went to a, a bar and grill called Low Places 
uh, bar and grill, which was fitting because everyone was kind of down because we were stuck and didn't know how far uh, or how long we were going to be stuck there. Um, it was fun though. It was cool. Like country bar. It felt like we were kind of in the South, um, which, which was, uh, interesting because we have, um, three Japanese guys training with us right now. Um, guys from Japan, they speak some English, um, but are, are very accomplished runners. We've, um, got a great steeplechaser, uh, 5k guy. And one of the guys has run a, a pretty good half as well. Um, so good guys. I, I enjoyed hanging with them, but their, their eyes were wide open in this bar because, you know, everyone has cowboy hats on and cowboy boots and, nice. um, there's bull riding on the TV and, uh, they were all, nice. you know, wide eyed, you know, looking at the, the American culture. It was pretty fun. Um, and they, the, the place had, um, like an arcade next door. Uh, so I taught the, the Japanese guys how to play cornhole. Um, so that was pretty fun. So we played a few games of cornhole and, um, you know the uh have you ever seen the arcade game where there's a like a punching bag almost like speed bag thing that comes down and you punch it as hard as you can and it gives you like you a score like a, how hard you like hit a carnival it carnival thing yeah 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 well there was one of those so we were we were playing that with them which was pretty fun um there's a pool table <laughs> yeah hit, i mean who, okay wait well, who hit the bag the hardest um was it you no no i'm i feel like it was um I think Dioma uh, hit it hardest. One of the Japanese guys. Yeah, I, I think he was the strongest. Yeah, nice. yeah. We got to work on our, yeah. our upper body, I think. But Clearly. it was it was Coach good. Thomas I mean, be for, yeah, for for having six to, six or seven hours to kill in a snowstorm, it, it worked out okay. Um, and then finally, yeah. they opened the freeway up maybe at like six or seven p.m. and we made it back up. Nice. I mean, I I guess like it doesn't fit with the ethos of professional running. To, like, <laughs> enjoy that experience but at the same time that sounds sick in a lot of ways like i feel like those are the types of memories like when you're stranded somewhere you're just you do something kind of on a whim or end up in a weird place that isn't even like a tourist trap but you're just like in a spot for a day i feel like those have been some of my best memories in college right i've just been like hey traveling to this place like an hour away from stanford and now we're just out here and like in a random spot i feel like that's a that's a big part of i don't know like that's the real experience a lot of the time in pro running right you're like in a spot you're in the hotel you race maybe you can go to like a dinner afterwards but then you're out of there like the next day i feel like i don't know i mean seems like a bit of a disaster but it all got taken care of and you had this really unique experience in a in a southwest bar um <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know that, that definitely sounds pretty chill do you remember i think my freshman or sophomore year we won pack 12s and a bunch of us got cornhole boards as the gift yeah and we had them in the locker room and we just like First of all, the locker room was trashed off of that, but also we just played so much cornhole. That uh, was just like a thing we would do before and after practice. It was, there wasn't even so much space for it either. We would just be throwing it. Like bags would be on the lights hanging from the ceiling. It was wild. I don't know. I was, that was kind of my interest. I mean, we, we did it in the South a lot growing up, but that was definitely where we really honed our skills, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that you call it cornhole and not bags. I, I know some people call bags it bags. Is- it's bags. I thought bags was a Midwest thing, so I'm actually kind of confused. No, I, I think bags is like an Illinois thing. No, I don't. I I wouldn't put the whole Midwest in that category because it was called cornhole. Oh, this isn't this isn't up a, in Michigan. Maybe this is a, this isn't a state a pop rivalry. Situation. Yeah, yeah. I bet this people in like Ohio call it bags pop. too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's the mitten. Y'all stay out of it, right? But everyone in that kind of slightly more southern district. I wonder when it changed. It's definitely cornhole where I'm from. 
North Carolina. There's... Yeah, weird. Yeah, I don't know. I. Yeah, it's Cornwall. Any, uh, it's not any bags. cultural <laughs> linguistics experts uh, who listen to this and want to enlighten us on bags versus cornhole? There's also like knockout versus lightning. Um, I mean, there's a there's a like, the game with like basketballs with two basketballs and you're just shooting. Uh, I'd always thought that was knockout. Apparently, mm, that was again, lightning where I grew up. The Midwest. Yeah. Okay. What the? Yeah. I, I think I had the majority with that one, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, a bunch of weird stuff. Uh, I know, yeah, the other one you mentioned that I'm definitely in the minority is calling things pop and not soda. Uh, mm. Yeah, pop. Well, DJ calls water fountains bubblers, which is just like true. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, don't, I mean, there's always you can, it can always get worse. I'm sure I do weird stuff too. I just <laughs> you know sounds normal to me. Yeah, I don't know if it can get much worse um, than calling something a bubbler though. That's <laughs> although there is there is like drinking this, fountain but... versus water fountain. Yeah, I just, I guess water fountain. I don't, because what else are you gonna drink out of it? It's not soda. Like it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know. No, I've so never people call it different it. things. There's that New York Times test that we all took. I think my freshman. Right. Yeah, I remember that. that. Like, huge. Another huge shout out to New York Times. If they want to sponsor us. Just, just, just feel free to take us under the umbrella. But yeah, you can like go take the what is it called? Like the, not eth- um be like a dialect like i the, forget what it, it's called yeah the dialect test it'll, it'll it'll test where you're from basically if you just google like new york times dialect and it'll like guess where you are in the united states and it's usually pretty accurate or maybe it's sometimes like if your parents are from a region it might get skewed between the two but yeah it, it, it's it's a unique thing for sure um should probably get back to the very last important <laughs> yeah that was a tangent all right <laughs> yeah a tangent for sure but that's kind of that's kind of what we're known for at this point um the 10k next week your current PR, 2711, uh, is U.S. number five all time. It was, I think, the number two debut when you did it last year. Um, the World Championship standard is 2728, so you're already well below that, and I'm pretty sure you're already qualified, right? Does that mark qualify you? Yeah, cool. I'm, already, I'm already qualified yeah, so from last year. It does. Um, just going to throw this out there after a couple weeks ago. The AR American record is 2644, which would be um, quick math, quick math, 0151, like somewhere around 27 seconds. Um, PR, which sounds like a lot of seconds, but also, I, you know, your debut was definitely <laughs> would have been a lot of seconds off of whatever you'd run previously. So um, I was talking to you a little bit off air about what you think it's going to be paced at. Um, from your 2711 PR currently, and, and just why don't you tell the people, I guess, what the race should look like uh, as of right now, a week out, and then kind of we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, this one is um, it's the same meet, same race that we ran last year um, when I debuted in the 10K. So definitely fond memories uh, of the spot. It's a fast track. Um, Southern California in the evening at this time of year is perfect for a 10K. Um, weather's great. It's kind of cools off and, you know, the wind usually dies down. Um, this race, it sounds like it will be paced with the goal of going under 27 minutes, um, which, uh, is an incredible opportunity. Um, only two Americans have done it ever. So, um, to kind of put my name among those is a exciting opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. Um, you know, it's not like you just say you're going to do it and then it's easy. Um, you know, a 10K in general, doesn't matter how fast you're running, is hard. Um, and this will be faster than um, I've ever gone out before. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think, um, 
think I'm in good shape, and I think some of the boys on the team are in great shape. Um, sounds like the field is shaping up uh, to be pretty nice. I'm not sure exactly the situation on rabbits, but um, I believe they're looking for someone that can bring us um, to 5K at sub-27 pace. So, um, yeah, it sounds sounds daunting. Um, it's a massive barrier in the sport. Um, you know, I, like I'd say in distance running for men, especially in the U.S., the biggest barriers um, professionally are like 13 flat and 27 flat. Um, so it felt really cool to get under 13 uh, a few weeks ago and um, it'd be really cool to do the same with the 10K. Uh, but, you know, don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, um, as my dad would say. And, uh, you know, you got to do it and Shout a lot of things need to go right. Again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of things have to go right. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic and um, ready to give it a good run. Yeah, yeah, I know you're not one to sit here on preview shows and be like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, we certainly were talking about that before the 5K in Boston, just when we were just talking on the phone. It's definitely not your style. But, yeah, seems like you're fit. Um, like you said, I mean, so much can happen over more than six miles of racing. But if you give yourself an opportunity, uh, it, it should be exciting. So I, I forget the streams for that. Isn't it like a free stream? Um, or maybe it might be a pay-per-view stream. Foot? Um, it's okay. a sound running meet. So they usually stream their own stuff on their website. Um, I believe it's pay-per-view, um, which is okay. kind of how a lot of meets are starting to go now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's next Saturday. I believe that's March 4th, no, March 5th, I think. I feel like people um, just know, like, it's yeah, next Saturday. <laughs> like numbers. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's I, I next think Saturday you'll yeah. be, a, yeah. So, it's um, the 5th. Okay, yeah, March March fifth, ten um, k. Uh, most of the guys in Bowerman are running. Um, sounds like uh, a lot of people are eyeing up getting a standard or, or running faster than that. Um, so, should be exciting. Um, there's a lot of good athletes in it, so hopefully it'll be a good race. Have you thought about intentionally like throwing your body onto the track and messing up the race so no one can get the standard? <laughs> And you go into uh, well, with it. unfortunately, how many times is that cross? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna go in a 10k and run 5k of it just to sabotage. I feel like that'd be if I were if you were gonna sabotage, it's I mean, I guess start. you'd want to do it right away, but there's so much time in a 10k to like make it up. I feel like you wouldn't really be able to do much damage if you were trying. And with how fit your team is looking, I feel like you wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. When it's also, like, also, a bunch of my teammates are in the slow, race. Like... <laughs> I'm not gonna sabotage my own teammates. <laughs> Um, get back up to camp and be like hey guys i don't know what happened yeah that was wild <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah hopefully it's a good one um technically we are in window for qualifying times for 2023 uh world championships um so if this one goes well potentially can check that box um pretty far in advance um although world athletics is voting on the standards for that meet so it's kind of weird. I, I don't know why they're doing it this way, but the window for qualifying is open for 2023, but they haven't voted on the standard yet. So I have a feeling it won't matter that much for you, but certainly it is a number out there. I mean, you got to run really well. Not We'll we'll see. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard rumors that they're trying to move the standards up quite a bit. So, um, we will see for 2023, but yeah, a little, little strange. Um, 
as far as the timing of the, the window being open, but you don't actually know what time you need to run. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll see. Just try to get out there, give it everything I have and, um, hopefully walk away with no regrets. Nice. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, it'll be a good one for all of us to watch. Uh, exciting to have this fast 5k and then double the distance and see what you can run at, you know, a slightly slower pace, but something still kind of ridiculous to think about. Um, Dude, it's funny we talked about this. I know we said it'd be a good app, but we also talked about how we didn't really have that much to talk about, and here we are at the hour mark. Um, yeah, so thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of the Half Step Pod. We will be coming to you. This kind of, I feel like, is the pre-race, so I feel like we might not hit one until you know that Monday or Tuesday after the 10K at this point, um, unless something urgent comes up midweek that we have to talk about. But I don't know. How, we haven't talked about this yet, actually, but I guess that would probably make the most sense. I feel like we just kind of covered a lot of pre-meet and that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it works for me. Um, yeah, next time uh, I'll probably be back in Portland. This is the end of our altitude camp. Uh, we've been up here. Uh, we actually leave on the 3rd of March, so it will be exactly two months that we spent up here. So um, back to Portland for a little bit, uh, probably for maybe four to six weeks, and then um, after that back up to another altitude camp. Uh, so lots of time at altitude these days. Um, this one's coming to an end. It's been a, a great camp. Um, I've enjoyed it a lot and, um, hopefully can end it on a positive note with this race. Um, so yeah, lay in the groundwork for a special summer. I feel yeah. Like. Yeah. Um, hope might so. not need that 2023 world championship standard if we just go out there and win worlds 2022. Yeah. We, so, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but we, I mean, just grant, obviously. Um, but you know, as the half step pod, obviously a, a split entity. Um, yeah, but thank you guys all for listening to another episode. Uh, we will be back with you post 10 K, uh, to talk about Grant's race. Uh, cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks guys. And, um, we had a few questions asked, um, on Instagram DMS or in comments. Um, sorry, we didn't get to those today, but, uh, hopefully we can have an episode dedicated just to listener questions. So if you have any, um, send them through. Um, we'd love to, to answer any questions you guys have. And, um, yeah, if there's something that is asked a bunch of times, we'll try to spend more time on it, but, uh, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we might also, I mean, maybe that's like a good midweek something if, if we have time for it or if depending on travel schedules and stuff, if there's sure. questions, so definitely hit us with those. Awesome. All cool. Right. All right. Thanks yeah, for thanks listening guys. For listening. Yeah. Later.